1: It's Sal Capaccio.
3: I make a special capaccio for you, right? Oh, now that sounds really good. Oh, you like?
2: Hey, get That's away! A... Get away
4: from my wife with that! What's the matter, Carpaccio nugget? No
2: what? What do you do now? They don't like a capaccio! They like oh. oh. On WGR. I make a capaccio for you. Sports Radio 550.
3: Welcome back. No bulldog today. Hopefully tomorrow. Sal Capaccio joins me, Mike Shope, from Indianapolis. That's where Sal is. And he's on the West Her Hotline. I don't know what I'm setting us up for here, Sal, but like I said a few minutes ago, hmm. I'm wondering just kind of like what your day has been like at the Combine with the just the, the flood of news, really, and, and quote news. I mean, a lot of what hmm. you're getting from teams isn't necessarily newsy, but um, cer- certainly a lot of stuff to talk about today that we can try to interpret anything stand out
4: or any certain interactions you want to lead with well i think more and more people that i kind of talk with and discuss the bill's situation with i really think and we touched on this the other day mike that i think they're in a better spot they feel internally they're in a better spot salary cap wise than i think what's perceived from the outside there's this perception i think on the outside fans media of oh my god, it's like it's like cap hell, right? It's a term that's used. But they found this money, okay, that's good, but man, they are so up against it. They gotta do so much work, they can't do anything. I don't think that's the case. I I think they have some ideas about things they might be able to do and now they're not gonna go super wild on it. But I think they feel they're in a better position than a lot of us. And that was that's interesting. Just kinda talking with that. As far as, you know, the league itself, you know, there is gonna be some interesting quarterback decisions and quarterback movement. Yep. And I think you have a group of teams that are kind of in that middle tier, like Atlanta, like Minnesota, like Pittsburgh. What are they going to do? Denver, right? They're going to – Denver's not going to have Russell Wilson, but like what's the plan after that? Where does Wilson go? How does that impact? Does Justin Fields get traded to one of these teams? You know, we have done the quarterback carousel here, Mm -hmm. you and me and Bulldog and Joe, for a while. And I remember you saying it might not be as much movement. And that might be true. I don't know. It feels like that's the case compared to the high-profile names. But I I do think there's going to be some quarterback movement coming up here in the next couple months.
3: There definitely should be. Uh, You've got the three teams at the top of the draft, if you include Chicago, which I choose to, Mm -hmm. because I think fields will be traded. In fact, there was mm-hmm, line, there, there's was there been line movement on that toward the Falcons. It was Pittsburgh yep. a couple of weeks ago when Adam Schefter made a comment about that. Um, which, if you want to subscribe to these things, Sal, might make you think Chicago could do better than maybe most expected in terms of a fields trade if there's competition uh, for him. But I like how you laid it out. The teams in the middle. You have the teams at the top of the draft where it's obvious Falcons, Vikings, what can Denver do about Wilson? Pittsburgh, for sure. I just think, to your last point, there aren't as many teams that Mm -hmm. maybe are up in the air about who their quarterback will be. Certain teams a year ago, um, like Jared Goff even is an example of this, I think maybe. Uh, If Mayfield goes back to Tampa, teams where... Like, oh, they could do almost anything here. Does Detroit love Jared Goff? Whatever, but he had a fine season and Stafford having another season with the Rams. He's sort of back. Last year wondering if he's retiring. Uh Purdy worked out to say the least with the Niners. Um so you by the I'm just going on and on here. Uh you do you also think Fields will be moved.
4: I do. Um and you know, I think Atlanta makes sense. They're not gonna get number eight. By the way, two years in a row, Atlanta drafting eighth. They drafted Bijan last year, eighth overall. They get the eighth pick two years in a row. Um, drought, uh, reminiscent I, of the drought. I mean, the Bills always in that <laughs> what eight to twelve. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, I do. I think Atlanta makes sense, but it, it's it's feeling like and it's sounding like here that they're not going to get a first round pick for Justin Fields. Now, maybe there's a team way at the back end, but what team would that even be? Everybody's got quarterbacks there, right? So I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, so it looks like he's not going to go for a one, but he would probably go for multiple picks, maybe including a two. And part of that reason is because if you trade for him, you kind of have to pay him, right? You're going to pay a if you're going to trade those assets. No team could just say, "Yeah, we'll we'll trade and let him play out the last year of his deal," essentially. But I mean, that that, that might not really make sense, especially if you're giving up a second rounder and more. So I, I don't think they're going to get that first round pick for him. I do wonder which teams, and then. You know what does Minnesota do, and what does Denver do once they do move on from Russell Wilson? I talked with people from Denver today on the Extra Point Show. Brandon Kristall covers the Broncos. I talked with Vinny Von Senior, who covers the Raiders. That's one interesting one. He said, you know, he can't see them going to the season with Aiden O'Connell. So what do they do, right? So there's a lot of interesting things on the table as far as the quarterbacks. I do feel Justin Fields gets traded, and I think it's the right move. By the way, mm-hmm. I mean to me more than anything. You know, you get a chance, and we could debate if anybody thinks Caleb Williams is better than Fields. I think he does have a chance to be, for sure. But at the very least, I don't think that Justin Fields is going to grow into the ultra-franchise quarterback you need to win a Super Bowl, and you get to reset your salary cap with a rookie quarterback contract.
3: That's a huge part of it, I think. Yes. Um, You know, Fields, I, I always like sort of getting to this thought, Sal, like Fields part of it for me is how many coaches and systems is he already on? It's like Darnold with the jets where he is drafted into a team where the coach is already sort of in trouble and he's going to have to play a rookie and I mean, it's high stakes. Like he's going to have to have a, a big year or else, you know, you're going to have turmoil. Alan, Alan got through that. I think even though it wasn't McDermott's first year, it was set up to work out the way that it did. He didn't have to, be such a star, Allen. But that that was it was within the timeline, right? I mean, McDermott getting to the playoffs in his first year, he was he was fine with with Allen as a rookie. Not so for Todd Bowles with the Jets and Fields just had. I mean, he he drew the short straw with that Man. franchise and what? How many different three or four already different coaches or coordinators and how he's going to be traded? And I just think, you know, we. We look at Josh Allen, we look at Sam Darnold, Justin Fields, on and on, and we tend to talk with certainty about what players they were destined to become, good or bad. And man, I think you agree. Like, just so much of it rides on that sort of stability and, mm-hmm. you know, the way an organization is prepared to help the quarterback to succeed, something I didn't ever think the Bills were prepared themselves to be but until this all happened like they had not been that team before this
4: yeah for sure um you you have to have the right environment and surround that quarterback with the right people have the right plan in place and I think you have to have the right person at quarterback to be able to take in all of that right I think that's why it's worked here in Buffalo with Josh Allen I think they have all of that I think the other thing that's you know uh coming out of here is the The receivers because, you know, I'm kind of dialed in on talking about receivers with people and, you know, wh- who likes what and who likes what players. And I I feel like there's a growing number of people who don't want to tell you that Marvin Harrison is clearly the number one receiver. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? It just feels like there's more people who want to say that, and they have to qualify it like, oh, I know that you would think I'm crazy, but Marvin Harrison might not be the number one guy. Malik Neighbors is there. And then you have other people who go, no, Marvin Harrison's number one, and you're really stupid if you don't think so. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. But there I'm getting more and more of a feel of the, the more this process goes, that Harrison isn't quite viewed as the can't-miss number one wide receiver clear ahead. Now, maybe he still can't miss. Maybe he's great. That's not what I'm saying. But he's not. maybe Neighbors is better. Maybe Neighbors is the guy that you'd rather have, and people feel weird saying it, but they're saying it. Probably
3: Harrison, if he is number one, does not go until four. Most Mm -hmm. mock drafts have him to the Cardinals at four. By the way, Chris Trappasso, our guest today at five and Wednesdays up until the draft, is also someone who has neighbors above uh, Harrison. Sal Capaccio on the Westher Hotline yesterday. Trey White came up. I think it was yesterday or Monday. You brought him up and how you you were thinking like not so fast on the Bills moving on from him. You have a column up at wgr550.com on White and Matt Milano and their uh, their status, their outlook here. Let's go back to Trey White, then get to Milano. What what are the what, what is the calculus for you with with him? Uh, where he's at, injury wise, contract wise, everything like that. What what does the math look like on White, and where does it lead you in terms of you know predicting what might happen?
4: Tredavious White has a $16.6 million cap hit for the Bills this year. They can carry that and just, you know, play, and hey, he's coming back. But I think that's a tough number to live with if you're just uncertain what he's going to be and if he's going to be able to fully recover and be the player that even close to what he once was. Maybe he is, and maybe they're confident in that. Now, Brandon Bean talked about, you know, how much the character and, you know, DNA of the person and attacking the rehab matters and not everybody's going to do that. And I, I respect that because not everybody's going to do that. It's like having a diet either. You know, sometimes people really go all in and they're determined. Right. And some people just aren't. They let themselves kind of cheat every other day and say, oh, I'm trying to be on a diet. Travius White is the kind of guy that's going to rehab every single day. He's going to be in there, he's going to work hard, he's going to do his best to get out there. And I think that gives them a sense of confidence. And he used that word in that phrase when he talked with us on Tuesday and said that definitely helps give you confidence, his DNA. So you have to kind of at least think, okay, they're probably okay with they having him on the roster, but can you live with sixteen million dollars in the cap hit with the uncertainty? Especially knowing and what you really you know, this isn't a situation where you better have him and he better be great because hey, Russell Duckles was really good, and Christian Benford had a really good season, and can you, even if he can play, and he's not, if he's not going to be starting over those guys, or being the clear number one over those guys, then you have to, again, think about $16 So what you can do is release him, and save $6 million on your cap. But that still comes with a $10 million cap charge. I just think that's a dead cap hit. I, I just don't think the Bills are interested in doing that. Maybe, for a guy in for Travis White, who they have a lot of faith in. That's a lot of that's a lot of money to eat for a guy that's not on your roster. And I don't think the Bills really want to do that for a cornerstone of their organization. I think the more prudent outcome here for the Bills would be for them to go to him and say, We're gonna now they don't have he doesn't have to agree to moving his base salary to a signing bonus. That can happen. Um so, you know, but go to him. Maybe maybe you go to him and say, We are you willing to take a pay cut. I don't know. That's a tough conversation. But you could what they could do, Mike, is they could take his base salary, move it to a signing bonus, add another year—a void year—onto his contract, and then the that signing bonus gets spread out over three years. Instead of paying him eight million for the base, you basically divide that up over three years, and you can kind of, you know, lower that number to probably below ten million dollars this year. And I think that would be the the best outcome, and then maybe he's great again. What really concerns me, though, is the quote from Brandon Bean when he said on Tuesday we don't know is that going to be training camp is it going to be midseason is it going to be two seasons from now and i'm thinking wow if that's on the t- if that's the wide range of outcomes yeah. you really got to have an educated guess here
3: yeah this this was a really interesting point we came to yesterday which was how with with Trey White Vaughn maybe Milano i don't know it sounds like maybe not you really just have to take a guess at what they're going to be, and Trey White has been a challenge in that area before, like going into uh, last season, coming off the ACL injury suffered in New Orleans, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. of 21. Okay, when? And it went, it went until Thanksgiving of last of 22 before he, he was back on the field. So it's, it's a commitment in, in certain different ways. Since that injury, 40 regular season games, Trey White has appeared in 10 of, out of 40. And that does not include playoffs. He'll be 20. He is 29. This is a 29-year-old season. To That's Milano. Right. To Milano, Sal, if I remember how you wrote it uh, correctly, maybe not the kind of injury where the Bills would be too, as concerned, at least, uh, about his ability to bounce back.
4: Agreed. I, I think that there shouldn't be much. And of course, there's always going to be a little bit of that. But, look, he already started to – he was walking. He was on the sidelines during playoff games. If you have a broken leg, you're coming back from a broken leg, which he was, generally teams don't watch you on the sidelines. And he was not, wasn't out there like the next week. It, it was at the end of the season, so it had to be you know 15 weeks later, basically. Um, you know, he you – know, 10, 12 weeks later, whatever it is. But he was out there. He was walking around. I mean, there were even rumblings of people wondering, oh, could he, could he come back if they get to the Super Bowl? I don't think that was realistic, Mike. But as Brandon Bean said, it was a freak kind of accident. Non-traditional type of football injury is the way he said it. Because when do you really hear about a linebacker having a broken leg? right? I mean, like so let's be honest. It's it's more of the, the knees, the ligaments, the twists, the turns, the sprains, even Achilles now. Uh, but it's a freak thing. He got caught up in a pile. He got bent over. He broke his leg. What we know now is there was no ligament damage, which is great. I think Matt Milano should be good to go pretty early on. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know this. I wouldn't be surprised if he's participating in some of the early offseason stuff, you know, much less the the stuff that takes place in, you know, in June. But they may want to hold off a little bit too to just kind of get him going and ramp him back up, but the, and the other part of the thing is about Milano. He's under contract for 3 more years. They worked his deal, reworked it before last year, and he's going to be 29. But that age that guy i think he can play for a while and let's also if you want to look at a little bit of a silver lining here yes he got injured last year and it completely stunk you'd love to have him he also then didn't have like 12 games of his body getting beaten up <laughs> like yeah. a full year he just had he had the broken leg which is bad but it wasn't knee wasn't ligaments wasn't anything like that and he he his body for 17 games he basically had a full a full fresh year
3: right 30 in july Uh, Milano so a a little bit 30 yeah a little bit older than Trey White so we're somewhat near the midpoint of this combine where it's been two three days of NFL management coaches talking about their teams and their setup as we've heard from Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean here already this week now we get into the prospect phase of this thing and the testing and everything else one name for you, Sal, that has come up today is Byron Murphy, defensive tackle from Texas. Chris Trapasso and I had a conversation with Bulldog a couple of weeks ago about Murphy what I and I'm not asking you what you know about him or like any sort of interest in the bills, but I do want to talk about the position. Mm-hmm. and so if you have Murphy say he's a he has a late first round grade, the choice the bills have to make between drafting the receiver everybody thinks they need there and a player at another position, maybe even this player or this position with the other holes they have on their roster. I have a bet with Bulldog that the Bills first pick will be defense because just, you know, for something to A for something to do B because it has sounded so far like there are so many receivers that when you're drafting late in the first round, maybe you just as well wait. But um, obviously, mm-hmm. that's that's very much generalized. What are your thoughts?
4: Uh, yeah, I, I it's very it's a tough call. I've asked people if you have your choice, should they should they take a receiver at twenty eight and get like one of the top five, six, maybe if a lot go, or wait, take one in the second round, maybe even again later in the fourth or fifth, you get two of them, you know, there. And it's a, it's a tough call. But if you choose the latter, then the first pick could be a defensive tackle. I mean. Because, you know, that's probably right now, like to me, Mike, right now, their biggest holes would be wide receiver, filling that out outside wide receiver, defensive tackle and safety, because I think there's very uncertain at safety what's happening. And so you could justify and there and there's nobody you're not taking a safety in the first round here. I don't think and I don't think the Bills would do that. So to me, it narrows it down wide receiver, defensive tackle right now. Where would it be? And I could make an argument for a defensive tackle. For sure, and they have to replenish that position. Now you can go out and just basically sign guys like you've had. What guys are that like? And I don't mean necessarily these same guys, but Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, Quentin uh, Jefferson, Jefferson mm-hmm. Mario. Yep, Mario Addison. These are guys that have just they've come in. They've been rotational pieces, and I expect the Bills to have to couple of those kinds of guys. Who knows? So maybe some of the same names. Maybe a Jordan Phillips, if he still wants to play. Maybe a Tim Settle. Maybe they come back. Linval Joseph was on this team. I mean, that was a late ad. They needed a guy who you know could be a space eater. He's a little older. Puna Ford. He was a free agent late in the process. He's going to be a free agent again. You can get guys like that all the time. What you can't get is another guy like Ed Oliver, unless you either pay him or you draft him. Or even a Daquan Jones. Of course, I'm leaving him out. You'd love to get Daquan Jones back. But they're going to have to address it. If you go to uh Byron Murphy's NFL prospect page on nfl.com. All right. Do you know who Lance Zerline compares him to? NFL comparison? Oliver. Ed Oliver. <laughs> Ed Oliver. That's right. 6-1. Uh-oh. 308, a little bit undersized for the position, but the Bills, I don't think they really that doesn't matter to them as much because it's a penetrating type of defense. Yes, they'd like that big bodies. You pair someone with that Oliver that's um, a little bit bigger. So that would be the challenge for me, though, which is if you go and get a guy like Byron Murphy, are you putting him and Ed Oliver up front? Like, you're pretty, you're a lot smaller than you normally want to be at that position up front. So, yes, I like the player. I like what he'd bring. But I think if you're going to pair Ed Oliver with somebody, it's got to be more of a Daquan Jones type than a guy who's, you know, not, not a, who's undersized like Ed Oliver. Mm hmm.
1: conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey
3: expecting this but i'm also sure you've thought about it gabe davis in free agency so the ringer mm-hmm. has a, a ranking today top 50 soon to be free agents i want to talk about this later and they write on davis He's the type of player teams often talk themselves into during free agency. It's an interesting perspective on him. Do you see him getting paid like he was, he, like a starter, basically?
4: I do. Someone, I think, is going to do that. And I don't think that'll be the Bills. I think the Bills would like to have Gabe Davis back, but they're not going to pay him that kind of money. And someone will probably be willing to pay him that kind of money. I can't imagine... Out of all the other thirty-one teams that every one of them would pass, there's going to be some team that does exactly that and says, "Sky is what we need." And they they saw the four touchdown game against Kansas City. They saw the ninety-eight yarder against Pittsburgh. Some other big plays in the Bills' offense. Gabe Davis is a good player. He's a good player. I mean, he he's been close to a thousand yards. He might have had it a couple of times the last couple of years without injuries. Like he has number two type of numbers, but the traits don't just jump off the charts. Right I mean like he does he's not a super fast burner but he can get separation it's been a little inconsistent we know that with the hands at times he's a great blocker he has a lot of the traits and I think a lot of teams will also look at all the off the field stuff which is the good stuff um because you know Gabe two years in a row voted the bills hardest won the hardest worker award of the offseason for the Bills, that matters. That's going to be something he's going to sell himself on, his agent's going to sell himself on, all those things, and how he fits into a room, how he fits into a locker room, how he fits on a team, and then what he can do for you on the field. I think that's a good point, what they wrote on the ringer, because um, he'll never be like a top-end elite wide receiver, but he'll probably get paid. If he doesn't get paid at the top of this market, which he shouldn't probably do that given the names, it'll probably be in that second, maybe just at the top of the third tier of those group that group.
3: Just randomly, what do you think about the Giants for him?
4: Well, I think, Mike, my prediction, I said this on the air yesterday, Joe Shane and the New York Giants will sign two or more bills pending free agents. Okay, okay. I think that. I, I think the, it's just the way it works. It's just the league. It's how it works. Guys become free agents, and teams that know them say, we know this guy. Is not much risk. It's better than getting another guy that we could pay the same amount we know nothing about. So I just think that's the way it works. That's why the bills – you know, plucked off the Carolina tree for so long. It's what teams do. It's why Rex Ryan brought over people he coached with the Ravens or with the Jets for many years. It's it's natural. You're going to take people and hire people and bring people in you're familiar with. So, that said, I, I think that that could be something that they might want. I think they'd love Gabe Davis. I don't know if Gabe Davis would want that. I think Gabe might have a few other choices, and I don't know if that's one he'd want to go to, but... Certainly, I think that the Giants, you know, would be interested given the personalities and the people running that organization.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's an easy choice because of the Bills right. connection. But I mean, it is Brian Dable we're talking about here, and that offense and Davis was so principal mm-hmm. in it. I mean, D- Dable's last game was what? How what did Davis go for in Dable's last game? Is the Bills? Let me see if I can remember eight for two forty <laughs> and four. Was that the Was that the line that was? Stable's last game right he left in in 22 to yes, be the it was. Giants coach and the Giants have this collection of receivers but they're kind of all mid I mean Wondell Robinson with 60 catches was their leading receiver last year I'm not sure Davis is the perfect player to compliment that but um... I mean
4: Davis could could legitimately be like the number one guy on that team but that he's not a number one I think that would be the thing you're caught in right yep. he needs to go to a team probably where there's a true number one like the Bills, <laughs> and they have, and they need a number two. But you know, the Bills feel like feel like they want a f- different kind of talent, a different kind of flavor of what they're looking for. But that would be what you need. You need to go and be a number two somewhere. Um, did you see what Shane said today, Joe Shane, about when asked about the running about um, Josh? I'm sorry, Saquon Barkley. It was interesting. He said he was asked the question when you negotiate with Saquon Barkley, are you looking at? Are you just basically basing off the running back market? Or what this player means to us? And his answer was very quick and very succinct. He said, the running back market.
3: <laughs> well, that's probably the right answer, isn't it? I mean, not that necessarily yes. the GM should give it, but that's what that's the answer I would give. So,
4: Yeah, it's great. I just love it because it does give you insight into, you know, how teams value players, and maybe not everybody's the exact same. And you might be able to kind of, you know, throw on a little extra of you. The guy means a little bit more to what you're trying to do and how he fits in. I get that. Like, you want the system. It's like this whole thing about the Patriots. The Patriots are completely revamping everything they do in their scouting system. I don't know if you saw this. I mean, it yeah. is totally night and day from Bill Belichick. And Elliot Wolf, who's running that organization now, the GM, he said it. It's great. I love it. He goes, listen, we're doing things different. The old grading system for the scouting from Bill Belichick was essentially how they fit into their team. He said, we're not doing that anymore. We're just ranking them. Like, this is how, who's better than the other guy. And I'm like, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. But Bill Belichick didn't do it that way.
3: <laughs> Thinking about hockey all-star teams or Olympic teams, right, where one theory yeah. is to go get the very best players and another is, well, we don't want the best players. We want the right mix. I, <laughs> right. Think, I think you want the best players, but other ways to look at it. Thank you, Sal. Enjoy the night. All right, you got it. Thanks. Coverage of the NFL Combine on WGR is brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Fast, sustainable weight loss. Then free support for life. Awaken180weightloss.com. And by Outlet Liquor. When you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Thoughts on the bills? Free agency. The draft. Got a guy. Always asking. I want to talk running backs. I always want to talk running backs and that whole thing. And I also spent most of the first hour reminiscing about my late co-host, Chuck Dickerson. No, no, no. Bulldog is he's just got, he's out for one day. He'll be back tomorrow. But the coach, the famous coach, my first co-host here at WGR, passed away three weeks ago. we I found out last night and spent some time earlier today thinking about him, talking about him. If you missed that, the Odyssey app, On Demand Audio, or WGR550.com. Wow, I might have scared people with that. Sorry about that. This is Mike show, Chris Paso at 5. This is WGR.
2: Brian Thomas is easy. To me, we'll get a chance to see him show a more variety of routes out here when he works out as well as Pro Day. He didn't have to do a bunch of different routes there at LSU. It was death by slot fade with those guys. I mean, they just won vertically time after time after time. But he's fast. He's smooth. He can go up and get it, play above the rim down there in the red zone. Daniel Jeremiah.
3: Yesterday on One Bills Live, Brian Thomas Jr., maybe the most interesting name to consider in the possible Bills search for a wide receiver at pick 28. Thomas is often the, I say often, I mean from what I've seen, the fourth receiver to go. Does the fourth receiver in this draft, when it's so loaded with wide receivers, wait until, last until pick 28? You know, it's funny. On one day, I'll look at this, and uh, right now I'm looking at the, uh, the draft order, and it will look like I can make an argument, I said this to Bulldog maybe on Monday, that I can make an argument, numerous teams, after, you know, well, Harrison maybe goes four, and Malik neighbors could even go five. And then you have Odunze of Washington, who maybe goes somewhere in the top ten, maybe Chicago at nine. If they don't, they're not going to draft Harrison, they're going to draft Caleb Williams. So Chicago, say just for example, that's three in the first nine jets at ten, ten picks. Then what? There are times when, like, just independently, ask me about any almost any of these teams, and I'll be like, sure. I mean, Denver at 12, Raiders at 13, New Orleans at 14. Sure, where's Michael Thomas been the last Olympiad? You know, Indianapolis, maybe. Seattle, probably not. Jacksonville, and so on, depending on what happens with Ridley. You know, I'm just saying, if it's those teams we're talking about, somebody might call in and be like, you know, wide receiver, I know we've got so-and-so, but Cincinnati. Like, Higgins could even be traded. And that sets up the way, not contractually, but like Diggs and Minnesota, where they trade Diggs and then draft Jefferson like they did that year. Just saying, it's such a position, A, how important it is in this league the, these days, B, how many guys there are to talk about, where I feel like maybe almost no team out after the Bears, say, after the top, the big, the, quote, big three go, Tennessee is even interesting for this at 7, I think. All the way until the Bills, who knows how many teams. It wouldn't be as many as 5, probably. But, say, 3 of those almost 20 teams could defend picking a receiver. And there are guys that are talked about like they're about good enough for that kind of status. So, that can be one perspective on it. Another... Is more the complete opposite, where it's kind of sure you can make an argument that the Raiders. Um, <laughs> I'm sort of, I'm, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself by my silence because I'm going to say how it, with some of these teams it would not be their first priority. You get past the Raiders at thirteen. That's why I was just doing. Hence the silence. I mentioned the Saints already. Indianapolis. Indianapolis today said they fully intend to keep Michael Pittman. i had been kind of operating as if they wouldn't be doing that. But their people today were saying, we'll franchise tag him if we have to. Like, we're going to have – we'll try to get him signed. We're going to have Michael Pittman on the team. Seattle at 16 just did this. They still have Metcalf. They have Lockett, Smith and Jigba now. They're definitely not going wide receiver in round one. Jacksonville may or may not lose Ridley, but they have Kirk. Ingram had a good year at tight end. Uh, It's possible. Uh, They are not the worst example of this, but maybe they would think they're going to lose their Josh Allen to free agency. It would seem maybe they go interior, do something else. Uh, Who knows? Cincinnati chase, maybe Higgins receiver. Really? If Higgins is actually going to be there, the Rams, Nakua, the year he just had, it's found money in terms of draft capital. Cup, I don't know. I wouldn't expect the Rams um, unless they feel like Cup is done. But he's we're pr- probably not there yet. Diminishing maybe, but not done. Pittsburgh has receivers. Miami has Hill and Waddle. Philadelphia has Brown and Devontae Smith. Houston has Collins and Dell. Dallas, I mean, really, keep going. Just finish finish it out. Dallas has Lamb. I think they still have Brandon Cooks, and they got production from tight end. Could be right, but I don't think they're so obvious. Green Bay is loaded with young receivers at this point. I would not expect them to draft a receiver at 25. Tampa Bay, maybe, with uh, the possible loss of Mike Evans. Arizona, maybe, had just drafted one already in the first round. No. And then Buffalo. And the Bills are where it's like fire engine sirens, you know, like wide receiver, wide receiver. So... I don't know, Like, it's not really an exercise worth (laughs) taking on. It's just an attempt to figure out what would the Bills' chances be. They'll probably trade up, that's their way. What would the Bills' chances be of getting wide receiver four in this draft at 28? That's a very different setup than what I've been more often thinking about and talking about in here, which is, oh, well, if there are 12 whose rankings – Maybe it was Daniel Jeremiah. Twelve of the top 50 players are receivers. The Bills have the 60th pick. Maybe it makes more sense to wait. But if you're getting, whether it's Brian Thomas or someone else, wide receiver four out of this draft, that might seem like a great idea at 28. To finish the first round, the Lions at 29. Amon Ross St. Brown is almost elite. Sam Laporta had a great year. Jamison Williams, I doubt it. Baltimore, always a possibility. Baltimore, Jim Harbaugh, I think it was today, said their, this is not his exact terminology, but biggest focus or priority is offensive line, Uh, the Ravens. But I don't know what that looks like for the draft. Maybe Chris Trapasso will tell us. San Francisco wants to keep Ayuk, still has Debo. And then the Chiefs, who are always talked about, ironically frustratingly as a team despite their prowess on offense and their Super Bowl wins uh, need quote need a wide receiver um, maybe they do maybe they will think that they do so yeah I mean it's kind of what happens with the draft all the time it's what makes it fun but you know if the Bills are picking 10 picks earlier 18 they're in great shape to get Is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Brian Thomas, I would think, probably, or someone of a high caliber, maybe even Odunze, the way it happens to go. I mean, it's not like these teams picking in the top 10 only need receivers. Uh, at 28, it just obviously common sense seems more, uh, seems riskier, but I don't think it's necessarily impossible for the bills to do that let's take a time out here some thoughts on the sabers loss and their season coming up chris trapasso as i mentioned he'll be on every wednesday leading up until the draft from cbs sports that'll be in about 20 minutes bulldog is off today this is mike shope on wgr welcome back it suddenly got really cold Out there, I'm inside. We we do most of our shows from inside. If Bulldog were with me today, he might have the window open in his attic, but he is not. Hopefully back tomorrow. The Sabres are in Tampa tomorrow night. They lost last night in a very compelling game in Florida, but ultimately a regulation loss. And the Sabres, of course, cannot afford very many of those anymore. It might be like five in 21 games. at At the very most, they could afford i think that might even be high so it's it's all but over for them it's another year for me where it was kind of over a long time ago just i don't i don't understand why in, in the last couple of years i do and i don't i feel like I, I i i don't understand why they just sit there you know i don't even want to give the speech again it's too tiring I gave them a certain – myself, I gave them a certain benefit of the doubt in that front office that they would be able to swing smart moves, waivers even, but, you know, canny trades and like the little stuff that I think they were sort of primed to have matter for them because their, their top end, forwards and D, are very good. So I just – they just have not done anything of of any import like that, and then this offseason, bringing, you know, the fourth line back and just reeked of sentimentality, maybe from ownership and just a stagnancy that was almost incredible. Goal, the goaltending thing, Lukinin has been obviously very good, and that is not getting them beat. But and and coaching, frankly, is part of that too. You know, I, I everybody. Granado earned it. Like he, he <laughs> I'm thinking about like replacing Belichick, and uh, that might be tough, right? It might be tough to replace a guy that's just done so much winning. Well, what did Granado do? He replaced a guy who lost 18 games in a row, or whatever. Like he replaced. It was a an abysmal situation, nowhere to go but up. He seemed to have the right touch and sound and perspective. We got very excited in here about how he talked about offense. Uh, the last couple of years. But man, it's almost like it's a just... It's not a different guy, but what happened to any of that? Power play is horrendous. And there's just like no... That, 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 that shift back, we talked about a lot in the first half toward a more a careful, conservative, defensive-oriented approach to, to hockey. It all just seems so wrong. And I don't know, I'm not the the closest watcher at this point, but a couple weeks ago, we had a game where he called a timeout and then he argued with the referee that he really didn't, but he, he had, and then he kind of tried to pull it back and no, oh, sorry, timeout. Like what, what would that be in football? If you had, if you had a coach call a timeout in a loss and then, you know, the, the that discussion would have lasted weeks about the time Sean McDermott didn't mean to call the timeout that he did. That that literally happened in a Sabres game a few weeks ago. Last night, they're down one, they're pushing, it looks promising, Lucan goes to the bench and they sent him back. And the the puck wasn't the Florida dumped the puck in and Lucan is sent back. Now nah, go back. I mean, what happened to I don't I feel like I I always feel like with the Sabres I'm the sucker for thinking that Maybe they're they're getting somewhere, but just where are the where are the guts where are the where where's the sort of offense is the way they completely in in subtle and less subtle ways completely turned that backwards, and that is just so discouraging. You know, you finally had something that looked like it's always two things too, right? It's always like you're starting you're starting to get good and you're also interesting and fun. And you turn back the other way, you you, you, you cease to be either. <laughs> you're, you're no longer fun, and you're no longer good. And this year has just been just riddled with these kinds of things. You know, go for it, right? Like, the, you can't afford any, any more of these losses. And here here is a game where your top guys are, are hitting, and quote, momentum is, is going your way, if you care about that. I mean, I, what I care about is I'm down a goal, and I have the puck, and I'm sending my goalie back to the net. I'm worried about losing by two. I just, too much of these kind of amateur blunders. And, you know, everybody thinks they won't do anything about it until the offseason at the soonest. It's too late now. Just like last year, it was too late when it was kind of obvious early on that they were pretty good and they needed help on the blue line. And they, again, made nothing. They made no moves toward that, you know, Even, especially when you're on a drought like this, you just got to do better. So, I mean, for a lot of fans, I know last night was about the officials. I hate talking about the officials. I just feel like it's a loser's uh, complaint. It's some, Of course, it's sometimes it's going to be right. But the Sabers' problem is not referees. So I'm not going to spend five seconds thinking that their problem is referees. You're one point out, and you have a game like that, and that's the last game of the season. We'll talk about it for a long time. But not when you're 11 out and you're playing the best team in the league, maybe. You know, it just these other things are happening. The power play is so bad, uh, really, really upsetting. All right, that's enough. <laughs> that's... Sabres at Lightning tomorrow night looks like a 13th straight year without even a single postseason round Chris Trappasso of CBS Sports talking NFL draft if you've got guys you want me to ask Chris I'm not sure it'll be today but just know use Twitter at Shope Talk Bulldog when he's here at Bulldog WGR um, that can that can work because you know there's certainly players we'll talk about with Chris he'll have his names and I'll have a couple and we'll talk about sort of the balances of the draft but um, maybe you have a player you want him to weigh in on, and we'll try to make that happen. Again, Chris is not here today. This is Mike Shope on
1: WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.